This episode of Sleep Apnea Stories is sponsored by Inspire. If you listen to the podcast, you know that people's experiences with sleep apnea vary greatly. CPAP doesn't work for everyone. That's why I'm happy to tell you all about Inspire. Inspire is helping sleep apnea patients who are struggling with CPAP get the sleep they need to live the life they want. It's a small device that works inside your body. There's no mask and no hose. While you sleep, Inspire sends a gentle pulse to your tongue to keep your airway clear so you can breathe normally. See if you qualify at inspiresleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com. That's inspire, I-N-S-P-I-R-E, sleep.com. Welcome to the Sleep Apnea Stories podcast. I'm Emma Cooksey, and I've been coping with sleep apnea since childhood. I didn't know anyone in my life with a sleep disorder, so I decided to start this podcast. I'm here to build community and provide a platform for people with sleep apnea to tell their stories. Together, we can shatter stereotypes and raise awareness. We'll be exploring all sorts of treatment options and lifestyle choices to help you live your best life with sleep apnea. This is Sleep Apnea Stories, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, it's Emma Cooksey here, and I'm your host. So this last week, I just got back from Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was attending a huge sleep conference, Sleep 2022, um, and it's run by the Association of Professional Sleep Societies, so the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, and also the Sleep Research Society. I wasn't going to do a podcast um, episode all about the conference, because I was like, well, if people aren't there, it might be a bit dull. But then I managed to get some pretty good interviews with some people that were there, and I thought that you guys might be kind of interested to hear, um, because there's a lot of stuff about, you know, kind of new treatments for sleep apnea and... And also, I was fortunate to be able to interview a couple of um, sleep specialists. There was a number of doctors there. Um, So I put some of your questions. You guys on Instagram were giving me some questions to ask if I find any sleep specialists. So so yeah, if you asked a question on Instagram, you should find the answer in this episode. (laughs) So Another couple of things to mention that are kind of funny. I was sitting beside this guy on the plane on the way to Charlotte and he said, what do you do? And I always have that thing where I'm like, do I bother saying all about the sleep apnea podcaster thing? Cause you know, it kind of like goes down rabbit holes sometimes, but I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And I, and he was asking what I was going to Charlotte for. So I said, I'm going to a sleep conference because I'm a sleep apnea podcaster. And he was like, oh no, I was supposed to go and get a sleep apnea, a sleep study because, you know, my wife really thinks I have that. And then, then his wife chips in and she's, and she's like, yeah, he's stopping breathing all night. And like, so bad. And, um, I was asking how he was feeling and he said, he's so exhausted. And 
So I think the short version is that guy is definitely going to go and get a sleep study because <laughs> we talked nonstop about it. And I think he realizes he has to do it. So that was kind of good. And then one of the ironies of being at a huge sleep conference is uh, I was not sleeping well. <laughs> um, so that first night I was in my Airbnb and the um, fire alarm went off and it was like, I'd already been asleep for a few hours. It was like midnight and I had to walk down six flights of stairs, like stand outside for 45 minutes and then walk back up six flights of stairs. So I was kind of worthless the first day just because I hadn't slept well at all. Um, so a couple of other things, the Phillips people were there and obviously have had their big CPAP recall. Um, and I did go and ask if anybody would be interviewed on the podcast about it. And I've been emailing them um, this whole time saying, would you come on the podcast and kind of talk to us about it? And uh, and they kind of declined. So, yeah, they declined in person as well. <laughs> I wasn't really that surprised, but um, I, I did ask just in case they wanted to kind of, you know, tell us about it. Um and then, oh yeah, lots of you keep asking about central sleep apnea and are there any new treatments on the horizon? So there was one company I was talking to called Zoll and they have this um, implant for adult patients with moderate to severe central sleep apnea. And it's kind of an implant and I have a little brochure about it. I don't really know much about it, but I got some information so hopefully I can get someone to come on the podcast and talk about it and um, so I think I just wanted to say everybody with central sleep apnea I haven't forgotten about you Um. so another thing is uh, that there's a whole bunch of different like short snippet interviews in this episode and one of them is with Dr. Thornton from Airway Management so just full disclosure, Airway Management are a sponsor and you'll hear their ad in another part of the show. Um, so I really enjoyed meeting Dr. Thornton. Um, he's quite a character, so that was good. Um, and the other thing is the, the interviews towards the end, um, the sound is going to be a little bit all over the place just because I was interviewing people in very busy um, environments where there's a lot of background noise. Um, but at the end, particularly, I was out for dinner with Molly McLaughlin and um, Teresa and Drew from Sleep Better NYC. And you definitely can hear like there's music in the background and it's all kind of crazy. But I included it just because it was kind of fun. Um, and at one point, Drew uh, kind of tried to interview me, <laughs> which wasn't my favorite, if I'm honest. But um, it was kind of fun at the time. So I just left those in there. So without further ado, here is my episode all about sleep 2022. So Julie Flygar, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Emma. So you've already been on my podcast. So for just to refresh everybody's memory, you are the founder and CEO of Project Sleep. And I am on the board of Project Sleep now. So we've been working together for quite some time, but over Zoom. So this conference was the first time we actually met in person. So it was one of the highlights of the conference for me getting to meet you. 
Likewise. I mean, it already felt like I knew you, but um, yeah. always nice to now say that we're in real life friends, you know? So we, we are definitely official. So here's why I wanted to have a little talk with you about the conference, because this was my first time going to this big sleep conference, but this was not your first time. <laughs> yep. Nope. So I wondered if you could just talk us through like explain to the listeners a little bit about how um how things were at that conference when you first went as a patient advocate and how things have changed over time and and how the experience was this time for you yeah it's definitely changed a lot in in a great way as a patient advocate um this is of course you know the major a conference for sleep researchers and clinicians. And so I, you know, started wanting to be involved. I think the first year I went was 2013. Um, and wanted to be there, you know, want to hear about the latest of, of the research and um, meet people. Um, but at that time, there was not even a way to register as a patient advocate. Um, and I think the way I was able to go was as a uh, uh, with some of the nonprofit organizations uh, as an exhibitor, but you okay. couldn't, uh, there's so many rules. And so as an exhibitor, you couldn't even go to the sessions, like the actual sessions. Oh. Um, and so if you wanted to register for the conference, you had to pretend to be a professional. You had to uh, say that you were either a doctor or a researcher or a dentist or something. And it was about $500 wow. was the lowest amount. Um, I never paid that, uh, because I don't think I had the resources at the time to do that, but I know other patient advocates that actually had to pay $500 just to attend. Um, and, and that's, and that's not including getting to the conference and the expenses of staying there and everything. So, right. yeah, right. So it was always a big sacrifice to even like take time off of work to go and find ways of like staying with friends and, and doing all those things just to be at this um, conference. Um, and I was working in the cancer space around that time and saw that in the cancer space, um, their major scientific and medical conferences did include patient advocates. And there was a way to have patient advocates be able to register and attend for a cheaper you know, price. Um, and I truly believe, and this is something that you and I talk about all the time and feel both so passionate about, is having patient voices at the table throughout the whole uh, research process will yeah. improve outcomes and help us make advancements faster and keep us patient-centered, which a lot of people talk about, but this is some of the work to actually make that happen. You have to have representation. You yeah. know, We can't have people talking about us without us. It's just, it's outdated. Yeah. So I did create that track so that patient advocates could register to attend, which is great. And I helped them create and um, it was this year, uh, Dr. Malorta, uh, who was, uh, the, was the president of the AASM's board, he has been very patient-centered. And um, so in talking to him um, and his leadership of AASM this past year, I think was really transformational in um, helping the APSS think about more patient inclusion beyond just having the track to attend, but also have patient speakers. And thank you so much for joining me, Julie. Thank you for having me, Emma. And it was so nice to finally meet you. So lovely to meet you too.
Today, I'm joined by one of our sponsors of the podcast, Kelly with Airway Management, the manufacturer of TAP Sleep Care. How's it going, Kelly? Hey, Emma. It's great. Happy to be here. The MyTap doesn't involve lengthy custom fitting, right? Somebody can actually order that and do the fitting part themselves. That's right. Um, the MyTap can be fit by both doctors and patients. It's available through traditional CPAP channels such as CPAP.com and Apria Direct. And now we have new research on our non-custom appliance, MyTap, that shows equal effectiveness to custom therapy. Hmm, that's great. How does this new research affect consumers? Well, this research opens the opportunity for more physicians and dentists and ultimately patients to use MyTap because it's a low-cost, immediate oral appliance. So if people want to learn more, where can they go? They can visit tapintosleep.com to find a provider near them, or they can fill out our Get Started form on our website um, and get connected with someone on our team. Thanks so much, Kelly. Well, thank you, Emma. Thanks for having me. So I'm, I'm Dr. Roland. I currently work at uh, UCLA uh, in Los Angeles um, from the Philadelphia area, trained at Emory. And you can find me online if interested at Instagram, Sleep Dr. Roland. Perfect. Okay, I had a couple of questions from people on Instagram. So the first one is, if a child's diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea at a few months old and develops out of it after a year, could it come back? So I think that what they mean is they developed it and then, yeah, maybe they treated it? Maybe it was like they did a surgery or something? So the one thing we do see in pediatric patients that people are not always familiar with is tonsils. If the source is kind of tonsils and adenoids, yes. which it often is, is in that population uh, for sleep apnea, tonsils tend to remain gone, but adenoids actually do grow back right. uh, in a percentage of, of patients. So if you have a pediatric patient that has snoring, signs of sleep apnea, get diagnosed and then treated, and they do better, um, but then symptoms return, it should be reevaluated because okay. they do have the potential. So they should have. keep an eye on it if they develop any more symptoms. Absolutely, like yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so awesome. And then what can be done to speed up the process for people to get sleep studies done? Yeah, so there, there's um, some newer models kind of coming out. You know, the sleep system in general is is overburdened, as many people are aware. It takes yeah. a long time to get in and a long time to get studies. Um, so there's some newer uh, kind of startups and things like that that are looking to kind of um, decrease that barrier to entry a little bit. So there's a couple online that are um, popping up, and actually I'm, I'm going to be joining one as well uh, called 30 Madison uh, coming up soon, which is going to launch and essentially be a specialty telehealth platform. I think there are some newer solutions that are being developed to help just decrease the burden on the system yeah. and get patients uh, diagnosed and treated, hopefully a more, easier. more effective and you know, yeah. a little bit more focus on kind of customer experience, Yeah, um, which is a little bit of like a, you know, unfortunately a dirty word in medicine, but I think that's a, a big part of, of yeah. you know, treatment and, and diagnostics is, you know, what the patient's going through sometimes doesn't yeah. have enough em emphasis in the current healthcare system. So I think there's new models of care that are going to pop up that help with yeah, this Yeah, I issue. love that. I hope so. Um, okay, 
mild apnea, any real consensus about how aggressively to treat it? Is there, is there research on health outcomes? Yeah, so most of the more um, kind of scary things that we talk about in relation to sleep apnea, the cardiovascular disease, and, you know, stroke risk, uh, hypertension, um, risk of MI, it, it's kind of been seen in the worst, you know, the more severe the apnea, the more concerned we are about those situations. So yeah. moderate and severe sleep apnea, we absolutely worry about those um, health conditions. Mild sleep apnea hasn't been shown to, to um, cause that as much. Mm -hmm. So we're not quite as worried about that in mild sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly if the patient's at high risk due to family history or other comorbidities, we might think a little bit more than that. But generally the goal in mild sleep apnea is um, improvement in sleep uh, quality, essentially. Reduction right of sleep disturbance, uh, permanent daytime symptoms. Yeah. And we do know that you know, just has the worsen the severity of apnea, worsens the chance of uh, comorbidities and some of these these other outcomes. It's not quite the same at all with um, symptoms. Mm -hmm. So there are patients with severe sleep apnea that are essentially asymptomatic, yeah. and then there's patients with very very mild apnea that have very pronounced symptoms yes. and really do great with treatment. So yeah. um, severity doesn't really predict. These, uh, quality of life, quality of sleep symptoms. Yes. And I think people are starting to really get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, starting to get it. Because certainly I, from the patient point of view, I absolutely know that. Yeah. <laughs> like just from all the people I've interviewed at this point, like the number of people who are like, you know, have extremely high HIs and then they say, I only went because my wife said I snored. Yep. And like now I'm on the machine, it's fine. There, there are and then there's yeah. other people with like, such mild like like low on the AHI scale that they can't get treatment yeah right but then it's it's like really affecting their life so yeah that's huge so the last question is how did you sleep last night I didn't sleep that great to be honest I was uh, co-chairing two talks today so um, you know just thinking about what we're gonna you know what we're gonna do and worrying about what could go yeah. wrong potentially so not not okay. the best sleep to honesty be love it i'm still jet lagged from you know traveling over to charlotte from la yeah. so okay right not, not my best but you know the nice thing about sleep is any bad night usually means a good night's coming up soon so right on. i look forward I love to it. that well listen thank you so much for joining thank me you I so really much. Appreciate it's great it. to see you oh, yeah. Uh, my name is Dr. Chelsea Rochebe. I'm the head sleep expert and neuroscientist at Wesper. Um, I oversee all of the consultations we do with our users, so I help educate them about their results and I point them in the right direction, whether that's to go get a full sleep study or go to a dentist to get an oral appliance or try something OTC. I'm just there to facilitate um, the user's journey. Um, Wesper is a sleep technology company. We are a type 3 home sleep test, but we're also a sleep health platform. So that means we can do the initial diagnostic testing, but we can be um, used to continually test your patients over long periods of time to monitor and track their progress and also look for things like adherence. Uh, we also collect data about their behaviors, their sleep hygiene, their medications, um, all the habits that would affect their sleep the night before they take a test. 
and we log that information and compare that information over time. Uh, we also collect longitudinal data, which means that we can compare every single test against every other test, so you can see how their sleep and breathing quality changes over time. Mm -hmm. So I have just, you guys sent me a little kit to try out. Do you want to explain to people what it actually looks like and, and how you put it on and that kind of thing? Sure. So the kit contains two little patches and they're uh, flexible fabric patches that go on the abdomen and thorax. They're quite small. They're very comfortable. They feel pillow-like. So once they're actually on your body and they stick to your body with a medical grade adhesive, um, you don't even, you're not even aware that they're on. Um, the cool thing about it is that means the individual can sleep normally. Um, nothing's affecting their sleep. They can get into any position they want. Um, so we're able to collect very accurate data about what a normal night would look like for them. Um, we've also recently paired it to a pulse oximeter, which talks to the patches. So that collects all of your oxygen data that you would need to make a sleep apnea diagnosis. Yeah. So one of the things I thought was really cool when I was trying it out was the difference between um, the data on my CPAP machine about my AHI mm -hmm. and it's like all green smiley faces but I'm feeling like I'm having more apneas than my machine is picking up and sure enough when I tried Wesper it's telling me that I do have a lot more arousals and a lot more apneas mm -hmm. so what's the reason like why is that is it just that it's more sensitive than the CPAP yeah so um, as far as respiratory effort and looking at respiratory signals Wesper is actually highly sensitive compared to most tests uh, we can pick up drops in airflow and uh, increases in respiratory effort well before they would be defined as an apnea or hypopnea mm -hmm. now we can also conclude when you're actually having a full-blown apnea or hypopnea um, but we can tell that you're in uh, respiratory stress well before that even occurs. Uh, so this is great because we can look at people who may be on the cusp of being problematic. So people who don't quite meet the threshold for sleep apnea but are still having symptoms or may have something like upper airway resistance yes. syndrome or a snoring disorder. Uh, we're just very sensitive in that regard. Okay, great. And where can people go to find out more about Wesper? Uh, you can go to our website. That's W-E-S-P-E-R.co. Um, you can also so email me. Again, my name is Dr. Chelsea Roshib. That's C-H-E-L-S-I-E at Wesper, W-E-S-P-E-R dot co. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Not a problem. Thank you. Okay, so do you want to tell me who you are and a little bit about what you do? Certainly, Emma. Hi, I'm Olivier Lazoral. I'm the general manager for Somnix Health. Mm -hmm. And what we do, we provide the INAP sleep therapy system, yeah. which is uh, for OSA patient, yeah. sleep apnea patient uh, here in the US. It's right. a kind of a replacement for CPAP mm -hmm. for mild, moderate, and severe OSA patient. Mm -hmm. And you guys are FDA approved? Correct, yep. we receive our approval, our clearance uh, in May of 2020, so a bit more than two years ago. Okay, awesome. Do you wanna try and explain to people? So I feel like this is doing almost like the opposite of CPAP, that it's like pulling, like it's not pushing air da down. Do you wanna try and explain Sure, yeah, let, let's that try works? that. You know, I think I've given that explanation uh, many times, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> so INAP is a, negative air pressure and I think the main difference is also CPAP is a flow device so it's pushing air into uh, the people's body and lungs we are a pressure device what does it mean 
we just create like a negative pressure in the oral cavity mm -hmm. in order to stabilize the tongue and to stabilize the soft palate and stabilize all the tissue. it like bringing it forward you, normally so you bring strong. them forward and upward to open the uh, back of the upper airways but also you prevent them from moving around or vibrating or do all those things right so it stays in the same place exactly so once you have that set up the pump it's a negative pressure pump stops and make sure there's a sensor that it stays in that configuration and at that point it's completely idle completely silent it doesn't draw any any energy from the battery so it's battery operated it lasts like five six nights on one battery charge right very convenient but so it's not making a lot of noise zero like, noise right. once you stabilize it okay. if ever during the night you lose what we call the seal okay. so you break that kind of vacuum the sensor automatically detects it and the pump starts again pull the whole the soft tissue and the tongue back in place restabilize a few seconds three four five seconds and that's it mm -hmm. and so the patient uh, the condition for the patient obviously is to be able to breathe through the nose as they sleep because right. obviously your, your 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 mouth needs to be closed mm -hmm. uh, so it'll be challenging for some patient but with training they get used to it yeah the mouthpiece which is kind of a, a cross between a baby pacifier and a snorkel and very soft <laughs> material is actually super comfortable I mean compared to a CPAP yeah. mask but it's super comfortable and, 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 and just people love it it's compatible with Invisalign or any other type of uh, mm -hmm. apparatus that you wear in your mouth and um, it's, um, it, it's something that as a pacifier once you have it in your mouth mm -hmm. kind of wants to, you want to, to clinch it to that so that helps you keep your uh, your mouth closed as well yes but then you have to make sure you can breathe freely through the nose right so this is not for people who have a difficult time breathing through their nose like we talk a lot on the podcast about breathing through your nose is really important and people shouldn't be breathing through their mouth and I know you know the book breath oh yes yeah and I actually just interviewed James Nestor on the podcast so he I talks know. a lot about I know. It. I, you know I've seen it I've heard you I'm following you yes oh I love it and I love the book because everything he says makes a lot of sense in general yeah but also to us the fact that a lot of people who have forgotten that ability to breathe through the nose yes. for years and years can go back yeah. to that essential function yes. of our body I mean we have a nose what is it there for right mm. so what how do people um so you actually have your own network of doctors right like how do people like do they go to the website or how do they so the, get it the, so we have a few uh, doctors that they can find on the website okay they are like telemedicine doctors uh, according to the states they live in they yeah. pick a doctor um, or they can ask their own sleep doctors. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah, and uh, we we have um, documentation that we send to the sleep doctor. There's like form for the RX, and I would. So say they just write the prescription, and they then write the prescription. Okay. The doctor can ask questions. We send them documentation. They write the prescription. Once they write the prescription, our customers success people contact the patient, answer the question, and walk them through the process of ordering INAP on the website and they receive the device at home within three, four days. Oh, wow. In all 50 states. Now, at that point, we contact them to do an onboarding through Zoom. They have about 25 minutes, 30 minutes, we answer questions. We tell them how to use the device. We tell them also how to pair their phone 
and we have a dedicated app with a device so we can retrieve the data every okay. night in the morning after every night the data are visible on the app about usage uh, seal time and if uh, they have an oximeter like a, a ring oximeter yeah those data can also be retrieved in the same app so you have everything so you visible. can check that it's actually working to reduce your AHI and it's and that well. give us the capability of a feedback loop when we can coach the patient which is very important, very important. for right. chronic condition yes we can give a goal to a patient and we'll have help them achieve that goal. So inside the app, you can do that? Yes. Oh, so the doctor good. can also follow their patient and maybe send them like an HST device after a month. Mm -hmm. So they have a better quality That's of data. That's home sleep test. Home sleep test, I'm wondering. sorry. It's okay. We just try and minimize the lingo. <laughs> so, sorry about that. Home sleep test. Um, so they can really uh, recalibrate the data compared to the oximeter, see how the, the, the patient feels. It's also give the tool to a doctor to have a continuous conversation with a patient which is also a Love key that. to a successful yes. uh, treatment. treatment of a chronic disease. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Olivia. Sorry I'm speaking too much. No, here. I love it. <laughs> Thanks very much. Hi, Dr. Shelby Harris. Thank you so much for sparing some time for me. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm, I love walking around the expo. It's great right? to see you. How are you enjoying the conference? It's wonderful. It's so nice to be back in person. It's been right? a few years, but I'm really glad to be here. That's awesome. So I've been asking everybody how they slept last night. Um, I slept like a log because I've been pretty sleep deprived the past few nights and then I got back a lot later than usual and passed out. And luckily hotel rooms are pitch black, at least a lot of the ones here. So right. nice and quiet and cool. Um, do you have any, what are your top like, sleep tips for people listening? Uh, if you're traveling, to get the highest floor you can away from a elevator. I always ask for that. Oh. I bring a white noise machine or have the app on my phone or I always ask the front desk if they have a white noise machine because a lot of hotels do. We just don't oh. ever think to ask. Yeah, I'm learning all these so, things. And yeah. I've never asked for a high floor and I've never asked for a noise machine. Those are, and so. far from the elevator. That's always right. the key. And an ice machine. I don't Just because of the there. noise of the elevator? Because of the noise. I'm oh. super sensitive. So, okay. yeah, and the white noise because a lot of people just slam the doors in the middle of the night. So. Okay, well, I learned things and it's so <laughs> nice to see you. Thanks Same so much. here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> okay, so I'm here with David Baxter. Who is at which company? Sleep Glad. All right. And so tell me what Sleep Glad do. Yeah. So, Emma, so Sleep Glad is a 3D artificial intelligence machine learning for facial scans. So, essentially, we have the different manufacturers from that create CPAP masks. We scan a patient and then we tell them based upon their facial measurement what mask would work best to treat their sleep apnea. So obviously that way then they get the best outcome and they don't have to go through a bunch of masks. Love it. So but you're not actually manufacturing masks, right? You're you're is it software that they I don't really understand. Is it on their phone? Yeah, so it's okay. so, great question. So yeah, we don't manufacture the mask. We partner right. with the different manufacturers and we use their mask. And then what it, it's, it's, it's all software driven. So essentially, I would enter a patient into the system. It takes about 30 seconds. I would send them a text message. They click on the link. They then answer about seven questions about their sleeping habit. And then they hold their phone out in front of their face like a selfie, which a lot of people do love selfies. Yeah. And it's taking a whole bunch of uh, uh, pictures. And then it's building about 4,600 measurements of a 3D image of, their of the patient. And it throws away the selfie. We don't need the selfie. 
And then we so take. So you're not then selling it to the government or to the police? No, but it does recognize profiles of people. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, kidding. No, <laughs> just kidding. No, no, we don't. We don't sell it. We actually throw it away because all we need is all the measurements. Oh, right on. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much for sharing about it with me. So do you want to just tell me your name and which company you work for? Sure, my name is Nick Letard. I'm co-founder and CTO at Ensidata. Right on. You're for people who... So I'm standing in front of a booth and it says sleep study scoring automation that works. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of explain to people, like explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old, right? How does what you're doing help people like compared to a normal sleep study that's going on right now? Okay, so... I guess, so right now, sleep technologists will go through hours and hours worth of data and score that all by hand. So yes. imagine coming in in the morning and you have a thousand epics, which is 30 seconds of data on a computer screen, and they have to go through all of that manually, score that by hand. Instead, we can come in and we can automate the scoring so that in the morning they come in, everything's already scored, they can review it quickly, um, we can generate reports um, and yeah, automate the process. Cool, and just make it like easier, I guess. Yeah. And so one of the things I saw, um, so Nick, the works for you, was up at a meeting I was at in New York recently, mm -hmm. and I was asking him all about um, whether, because um, I, I talked to an awful lot of people on my podcast who either, you know, go for a sleep study and they just say you don't have sleep apnea because they don't meet the the actual standard for sleep apnea so maybe they're having like pauses in breathing that are nine seconds and not ten sure. and so does this allow like um diagnosing upper airway resistance syndrome or things that are not quite sleep apnea like do you know what i'm talking about yeah so so we provide all the asm recommended scoring yeah and then clinicians can create the diagnosis off that got it as they'd like and for your for your uh your friend who did get a negative diagnosis yeah the asm does recommend you go in for a psg study yes. as kind of a backup for that yes. but one thing that we do that's pretty cool is for home sleep tests i'm not sure if she did that but uh, for home sleep tests we can actually detect if you're awake or asleep Okay. Just even without EEG, so the brain recordings. Oh. And so that can really help with um, kind of, instead of using the entire recording time um, for calculating the AHI, which is what you end up yeah. using for the diagnosis. When actually you're awake for some of that time because yeah, you're, you're waking awake. up. Exactly. Right. So we can actually detect when you're awake versus okay. when you sleep very accurately. And then that way you can uh, actually, it'll... It might help uh, get her into more of a diagnosis area. That yeah. Because right now, I think what you're saying is, so right now, if you're asleep, if, if you're waking up for 20 minutes out of an hour, yeah. it's saying, like, like so I guess because the HI is a per hour thing, if you're awake for 20 minutes of that, that's not really an hour. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah cool. and so a lot of people will put the device on and kind of walk around, and all of that is just assumed to be sleep without... Yeah, uh, got it. Okay, well, thanks so much for talking to me. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So my name is Sam Kashani. I am a board-certified sleep physician. I practice at UCLA Health, and I practice full-spectrum sleep medicine. Uh, I see adult and pediatric patients. I'm also very active in the community. I give a lot of uh, lectures and talks in the community on sleep health. 
I'm also a board member of the California Sleep Society. And um, yeah, that's a nice bit. work. <laughs> that's a lot. Are you having a good conference? Very much so. It's been a great okay. few days. How that's about awesome. You? Really good. I'm enjoying it. And <laughs> um, how did you sleep last night? I slept fantastic last night, <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> okay, so these are some questions we had on Instagram that people want to know the answers to. Yes. And um, so I know I'm totally putting you on the spot. Please. So if there's anything that I you love know, it. it's okay. Winging it is my favorite thing. Okay, so if a child, we, we don't really understand this question, but I'm going to try. If a child is diagnosed with OSA, at a few months old and then it says develops out of it so I don't know if they had surgery or what happens but then develops out of it after a year could it come back that's a very good question um, so in terms of develops out of it I, I guess I'm, what I'm going to interpret from that is that the growth of the structures in the throat like the tonsils and the adenoids is such that Perhaps at one point there was an obstructive process because of the structure, the, the person's anatomy, but as a result of just growing and, and kind of you know developing further, that that problem perhaps resolved itself. So that's what I'm going to interpret from the okay. first part of that question. <laughs> um, and if so, yes, absolutely, obstructive sleep apnea is something that um, when we're talking about risk factors, with one of the more common ones being weight gain, um, that really applies to both pediatric patients and adult patients, right. such that somebody without sleep apnea, if they do gain you know a certain amount of and weight, can happen at different stages in your life. And absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, from any age, just as a result of weight gain alone. And that's just one risk factor, of course, being the most common risk right. factor. Right. Love it. <laughs> so the next one is, what can be done to speed up the process for people to get sleep studies done? Ooh, wow. That is an excellent question. <laughs> Where do I begin with the problems in our health system? Right. <laughs> I know. It's quite, it's not really a like quick sign by answer, is no, it? No, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because, well, first of all, one issue is something that you bring up a lot which is such an important point which is the delay until a person is evaluated and properly diagnosed yes. and, and started on treatment and management so I, I find that to be one huge contributing factor to to the delay is just the awareness and, and you know that's so that's that's one part of it and then the other part of it would be again our health system yeah <laughs> everything from insurance authorization because sleep medicine in terms of what we do our specialty the tests we do the studies the whole process of insurance being involved and then treating with these devices coming from third-party companies that yes. are contract so there's so many moving wheels to this process and it, it very often takes a long time especially in major health systems like ours however um, I think that you know that's really more of a reflection of unfortunately issues that we have in our health system and some of the limitations with sleep medicine relying on so many different third-party factors to really kind of take care of the patient. Yes. Do you think the development of like wearable technology and stuff like that is going to help? I do. I absolutely do. I'm a, I'm a big fan of consumer, consumer sleep technology. And although right now most of the devices that people commonly use are not necessarily clinically validated, right. I think that it's only a matter of time because Before we get there. absolutely it's yeah. a no brainer. Absolutely. Um, okay. So somebody else asked mild sleep apnea. Um, any real consensus about how aggressively to treat? Is there research on health outcomes for sleep for mild sleep apnea? These are excellent questions. Right? Okay. Well, so. well, my followers and listeners have excellent <laughs> questions. Well, I don't know what to tell they you. They have an amazing person to follow, of course. <laughs> uh, so, with mild sleep apnea, unlike moderate to severe sleep apnea, mild sleep apnea is a clinical diagnosis, meaning that in the absence of any symptoms of sleep apnea at all, 
plus the absence of any comorbid conditions that untreated sleep apnea may possibly exacerbate mm. or worsen. So you're talking like high blood pressure. High blood or, pressure, or, yeah. atrial fibrillation, right certain on. cardiovascular yep. conditions. So if somebody has absolutely none of those things and is just a healthy person and has absolutely no symptoms of sleep apnea, which we know at least the more common symptoms of sleep apnea include daytime fatigue and sleepiness and nighttime sleep disruption. Okay. So if they have absolutely none of those things and their study incidentally shows they have mild sleep apnea and maybe for example the whole reason they even got a test was just because of snoring for example mm -hmm. if it's just that and they have mild sleep apnea and all that checks off then technically treatment is optional because there is no data to really tie that particular mild degree of sleep apnea to those horrible health outcomes that we know got moderate it. to severe sleep apnea can yes. lead to like strokes and heart disease okay very interesting so yeah, of course. So do you want to just say who you are and where you work? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Keith Thornton. I work in Dallas, Texas right and, and treat people with sleep apnea. Right. And, and so you're snoring. from Airway Management? Airway Management. Right yeah, on. I started Airway Management. own it. So, uh, so you've been in this world for a really long time. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> Since 19... Uh, 92 is my first patient. Oh, wow. Yeah, I invented that the first time. Yeah, so. and so take me through all the different devices that you have because you treat the full range from snoring right through to people that are more severe with right. sleep apnea. Right. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about all those different devices and what well, they do? Well, the, essentially the device that I have is, and where I come from is I had some training in, in anesthesia and that's why I called it airway management. Anytime you have an airway that's collapsed and like in CPR how do you manage the airway you move the jaw in the right position yeah. before you try to ventilate it so that's what I how I started out in this so all of my devices are positioning the jaw in a what I call physiologic breathing position it's not just pulling the jaw forward a dental device or whatever right so I have a series of custom and non-custom devices that essentially do the same thing they're called tap and then the non-custom my tap and one of my goals uh, with my company has always been to try to treat the most people at the highest quality at the lowest cost possible and that's why I think the future is the direct to the patient my tab and that's what I wear it works better as well as any of the tap appliances and tap lines work better than any of the other appliances yeah. and so that's my goal so I've got that and that's one product that, that is my main product. And people can actually buy that like through CPAP.com. They or can buy it through CPAP. They still have to have a prescription, prescription right. by a physician, a dentist, whatever, but they don't have to be fitted by a dentist. They can fit themselves. We're seeing very, very good success with people fitting themselves. And then if they decide, hey, I need to have a custom appliance, it's like saying, hey, I got a good pair of shoes. I'd like to have a custom shoes. Right. Go get custom shoes. Make sure your custom shoes are better than your non-custom right. because it's going to be hard to find a custom that's better than my non-custom, yeah. my tap. So, yeah. so that's my uh, process is trying to get this out to the masses. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully the other we can thing, help you with that. I hope so. So the other thing is, is whenever we talk about CPR ventilating, you first of all manage the jaw position, then you ventilate the person, or uh, and that's where we add CPAP to it. And if you hook a CPAP uh, to an oral appliance, it's the only place that our teeth are the only place that you can attach directly to our skeleton. Right. So therefore, the mask doesn't move, doesn't leak. 
listen, Dr. Thornton, thank you so much for joining me. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you listen to the podcast, you know how many of the guests have dealt with mental health challenges along with sleep apnea. I have struggled with anxiety and depression for years and have found therapy so helpful in my journey. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. Visit betterhelp.com slash Emma. That's betterhelp.com slash Emma and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. There's a special offer for Sleep Apnea Stories listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Emma. My name is Molly McLaughlin. I have a company called Sleep is a Skill. I help people optimize their sleep with technology, accountability, and behavioral change. And so tell me how you slept last night. So I am happy to report that I actually have slept very well on this trip, but for only one reason. Well, a couple of reasons. Um, One of the reasons is because I have the chili pad in my hotel for the last five. I've been here for five days, I think. And I've had it the entire time. And so because of that, my HRV has been up. So normally when I travel, I expect... Heart rate variability, yes. right? Yeah. Exactly. Thank you for <laughs> translating. <laughs> and Love so that acronym the chili pad thing makes you cooler, and that's supposed to help your sleep because you're cooler. Yes, exactly. Yes. That sounds awful, but I know a lot of people really love it. <laughs> they do, and but it's actually something that you can adjust. So if you want it to be warmer, you could. Oh, got it. But I am very pro the nice. cooler side. Yes. And what is your highlight of this Sleep 2022 okay. conference? So it actually happened the first day I attended Trends in Sleep Medicine. Okay. Um, and the first session I really, really enjoyed where we looked at glucose and its relationship with sleep. Um, I guess one of the big takeaways I thought was really interesting about that is correlations between sleep deprivation and cardiovascular health. Uh, but also how that could affect the intake of different foods that you might be having. So if you're sleep deprived, are those the days when you're going to be actually eating and, in- <laughs> and indulging in a bit more than you normally would? Got it. And then certain studies pointing to that that seems to be the case. Cool. And so where can people find you if they want to learn more? Like, Do you want to give them your Instagram? Sure. Yes. 
Uh, my Instagram is, you can search Sleep is a Skill, or you can search my name, Molly McLaughlin, Molly, M-O-L-L-I-E, last name, M-C-G-L-O-C-K-L-I-N, and it might be East soon. <laughs> we can right. edit that part out. Uh, <laughs> and also, sleepisaskill.com has all the things as awesome. well. Awesome. Yes. Thanks Great. so much for joining me, Thank Molly. You. Um, I'm Drew Copeland. I'm a sleep technologist. I've been working in sleep for 20 years. I do uh, some work at home sleep apnea testing right now. Um, I work for an amazing uh, sleep coaching group called Sleep Better NYC um, and <laughs> help patients with education and coordination and uh, monitoring their therapy. That's awesome. And yeah. so tell me how you slept last night. I slept pretty well. I did I'm gonna be honest I had a couple drinks of alcohol right but then before a couple drinks went into many many drinks like some <laughs> of my other colleagues I took I said I'm gonna go home and I ah. want to get a good night's sleep so drink some water got to sleep that was a good choice yeah <laughs> um, and tell me about a highlight from this sleep 2022 conference well um, I was interviewed by Emma Cooksey ah, right now. Right now. Oh, yeah. See? Yeah, okay. see. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, okay. sure, sure. Sure, yeah, I'm Teresa. I am founder of Sleep Better NYC, a company for sleep coaching and care coordination. And you're also a friend of the podcast. I, I am a friend of the podcast. So that's my awesome. expertise is in sleep apnea. Excellent. So let me know, like, how did you sleep last night? Actually, last night, not so great. Mm. Alcohol as well. Yeah, no, I've been cool. kind of alternating. It's it's like everybody wants to hang out, and one thing leads to another. So one night, I went to bed like at a normal time and drank a lot of water. Last night, I was like out a little late. I actually slept enough quantity, but <laughs> I drank, and so I was up like 15 times. Got it. Yes. Um, and so give me a <laughs> highlight from the Sleep 2022 conference. Mm. Is there one thing that stands out as something that was really great that you mm. loved? I really think more than ever people and even companies are really open-minded to collaborating with each other. People seem to be a lot more friendly and open-minded, so I'm, I'm very looking, I love looking forward to that. Yeah, and yeah. so tell everybody where they can find you. You can find us anywhere on social media but we're really only good at instagram so follow us on instagram at yep. sleep better nyc no dots or spaces are on this place perfect thanks so much thank you so emma i don't um, like not being in control oh yeah i know this is tough for you but just keep breathing all okay. right we'll, we'll be right fine. On. all right so um tell everyone who you are my name is Emma Cooksey, yeah. and I am the host of the Sleep Apnea Stories podcast. I'm also a patient advocate, and I'm on the board of directors of Project Sleep. Amazing! And so you're here at the uh, Sleep 2022 meeting, yeah. and uh, tell us, um, tell tell us the the most interesting thing that you've heard. What's interesting backdoor you've heard during this conference? Um, I was really interested in one of the keynote talks where they were talking a lot to do with how differently sleep apnea shows up for women mm. versus men. And I definitely have seen that with a lot of the people that I've interviewed on my podcast. So that was really um, you know, exciting to hear that like research is going that way where they're starting to look at differences between like not only men and women, but like differences in different populations and you know, different uh, racial groups and all sorts of stuff like that. Amazing. Really Amazing. And uh, how did you sleep last night? Um, not great. Mm. Um, the 
you know so, sleep is important, right? <laughs> I sure do, Drew. Okay, great. I have everything all, like I have my sleep app here, I have everything set up and everything, but the room that I'm sleeping in is too light, and I didn't bring blackout shades, and it's also too warm. Oh. So I did adjust the AC in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. but at, by that stage I was already kind of like up and down and not, didn't sleep as well. Thanks so much for listening. I love hearing from you. If you'd like to be featured in an upcoming episode, please email me at sleepapneastories at gmail.com. That's also the place to get in touch if you just want to say hi or ask a question. Alternatively, you can always reach me on Instagram. My handle there is at sleepapneastories. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. This really helps a wider audience to find the episodes and I really appreciate it.